and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. Forgiveness is a gift. It's a gift. Um, for my birthday, I received some gift cards to Amazon. Um, got some from the McNabs and got some from Dylan. And one of the things that I did with those gift cards was I, I got this book. It's on Bible history, uh, Old Testament history. Now, I worked really hard to get those gift cards, didn't I? I didn't? I did a lot to earn it, didn't I? No. No, I didn't. It was a gift. A gift isn't earned. You know, how many of you are planning on buying somebody a gift for Christmas? Okay. Are they in the process of working for you right now to, to get that? No. Oh, well, after you give it to them, then they'll work to keep it, right? No, no, no. Well, isn't, that how, isn't that how it works? No. no, it doesn't work that way. A gift is, is given. You don't earn it. You don't earn it beforehand, nor do you earn it afterwards. You know? I've never had somebody say, okay, you know, I've given you this gift. Now I'd like you to come over, and, and so long as it works for me, you can keep it. But some people think that that's the way that gifts like salvation work, but it isn't. Neither is forgiveness, you see. Forgiveness is not something earned. It is a gift. It's a gift. People don't deserve it. They don't earn your forgiveness, and they don't have to work to keep it if it's really given. If it's really given. Look at Luke chapter 6. The, wor- the very word forgive demonstrates that it is a gift. The word forgive is the Greek word charizomai. Charizomai. 23 times it appears in the King James Version. 11 times it's translated as forgive. Six times it's translated as give. Twice it's translated freely give, twice it's translated has deliver, once has grant, and once is frankly forgive. It comes from the root word, anybody guess? Charis, charis, which means grace. The word charis or charis is grace. Grace is that which we don't deserve but is freely given to us. God's grace is not something we earn, it's freely given. Salvation is not of works, but of grace, something freely given. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And so it is with forgiveness. Forgiving, forgiveness is a gift. And it's a gift that we do as God's forgiven us. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 36, it says, Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. We just saw that in that parable. 
that God was compared to that Lord who was willing to forgive all that debt of that servant. And in turn, that servant should have been willing to forgive others, the one that owed him, right? But he didn't. Be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. We are to not judge. We are to not condemn. We are to forgive. And the standard there in that age, in that administration, was that if you did forgive, you'd be forgiven. If you did not judge, then you would not be judged. It was conditional back then. It was conditional. That if you weren't willing to forgive, then you would not be forgiven. If you did judge, you would be judged. If you did condemn, you would be condemned. That was the condition back then. Look at Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Mark eleven twenty-five says, And when ye stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any, that your Father which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. That's a condition, isn't it? When you're praying, you know, you're going to God and you're asking for something before you even ask. If anybody owes you anything, forgive them. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. That's a big condition, isn't it? That's a big condition. If you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. There's a condition. And not only was forgiveness to us conditional back in the gospel time, but also us forgiving others was also conditional back then. Look at Luke chapter 17. In Luke 17, in verse 3, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If somebody does you wrong, go and point it out to him. Go and tell them. Reprove them strongly. If somebody does something that offends you, if somebody does some harm to you, go and tell them about it. And if, if he repent, forgive him. If he repent. If he says, I'm sorry, then forgive him. There is a condition, isn't there? Forgiveness was conditional upon that person repenting, just like it was conditional for us. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Again, the forgiveness was to happen over and over again, but there was still a condition in there, a condition of them being sorry that they had trespassed against you. Forgiving others was conditional. Us being forgiven was conditioned upon us forgiving others. But that's not the way it is now. This was before Jesus Christ had paid the price for man's sins. You look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. The standard's different. 
And I have heard people say, I have heard people teach that somebody needs to be sorry and somebody needs to ask forgiveness before we forgive them. You can back that up from plenty of verses in the Gospels. You cannot back it up from the church epistles. Okay? You cannot back that up from the church epistles. The standard is changed. Things are different. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid the price. Because Jesus Christ paid the, that debt. He paid that debt. That debt of sin. He paid it for me. He paid it for you. He paid it on our behalf to God, and he paid it for anybody that trespasses against us. He paid it for our trespasses against God, and he paid it for somebody else's trespasses against us. That's why it says in Ephesians 4.32, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted. Tenderhearted, not holding on to that. Not holding on to that hurt. Not hardened against it. Not those walls of our heart that make our heart, hearts hard, but tender-hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath, past tense. Even as God, for our sake, because we've paid back that debt? No. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Because of what Jesus Christ did for us, God has forgiven us. We haven't paid that debt. We didn't deserve to be forgiven. But at the moment we get born again, what happens? We receive remission of sins. What is that? It is forgiveness for everything we've ever done wrong before. We receive remission for sins at that moment. And then when we sin again... All we need to do is go to the Father to get back in fellowship and, and ask for that forgiveness, thank Him, and we've got it. Do we have to earn it back? Mm -hmm. No. Why are we forgiven? For Christ's sake. Because of what He's done for us. Back in the gospel times, if we didn't forgive somebody, we wouldn't be forgiven. Now it's reversed. Now we are forgiven, and therefore we forgive. We've already been, been forgiven, and therefore we forgive. We forgive not because they deserve it, but just as God's forgiven us, we are to forgive them, because Jesus Christ paid that price for them as well. People have a problem forgiving because they don't realize how much God has forgiven them for. You know, I've never had a problem forgiving people because I, I am very aware of how much God has forgiven me for. You know, maybe, maybe that other fellow's not as bad as I am, but I'm very aware of all that God has forgiven me for. I'm aware of all my shortcomings. I'm aware that there's times where I still get angry. I'm aware that there's times where some of my jesting may not be convenient. It might not be appropriate. I'm aware that there's times when I'm unthankful. I'm aware that there's still times when I doubt God. Now, those might not seem like such a big deal to some people, you know. Maybe it's that in some people's minds, you know, doing those kind of things isn't a big deal. 
Cheating on your spouse, oh, you know, well, that's a big deal. You know, that's a big deal. Lying, stealing, those things are a big deal. Killing people, that's frowned upon. <laughs> Most people consider those big sins, but, you know, being unthankful, doubting, you know, those are just little things. That's not that big a deal. You know, maybe those are just the, the venial kind of sins, you know. <laughs> you can wipe those out with, you know, just a couple of Our Fathers and one Hail Mary. <laughs> you know, not, to, not to poke fun, but that's, that was my background, you know. <clears throat> when you went to confession, depending on how, how bad your sins were, you know, you spent a long, longer time praying. And I went to a, you know, a Catholic school, so we'd go, especially in the Easter season, leading up to it, we'd go as a class to confession. Yeah, and you'd stand in line with the whole class, you know. And then especially as you got in the older grades, you know, you'd sort of take notice when people came out of that little booth how long that they were down on their knees praying to try to figure out how, you know, what had they done, you know. By the time you thought about that long enough, you had some other things to add to your list when you walked in there because of all the things you had thought. <laughs> but sin is sin. Sin is sin. And you know what? Israel, as a nation, they didn't wander around for 40 years in the wilderness because everybody was sleeping with the other guy's wife or they were knocking over liquor stores along the way. Why did they spend so much time in the wilderness? Why did they not enter into the rest? Unbelief. unbelief. Because of their unbelief. So it is a big deal. It is a big deal. When you recognize how much God does forgive you, well then, you don't have such a hard time forgiving others. Look at Colossians chapter 3. You know, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. And boy, being unthankful, that's one of those things that people don't consider to be such a big deal, but sometimes do a word study on that and see what a big deal that is. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, then if he comes and repents... No. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. No longer conditional upon them being sorry, but simply even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. There's the only reason to forgive. Look at Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, again, this is for our learning. But boy, we can learn so much from these things. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. Some, a Pharisee invites Jesus Christ to dinner. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city that was a what? A sinner. Oh, a sinner. A woman's a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, 
and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him had invited him to dinner, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this was that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. This Pharisee had Jesus Christ at dinner, maybe, maybe to figure out just whether he was a man of God or not. Boy, when he sees this, he says, No, this guy can't be a prophet. If he was a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman this was, and he'd never let her touch him. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. So Jesus Christ, the guy never says any of this stuff, but he, Jesus Christ answers what's going on in the guy's head. He says, I got something to tell you here. And he says, oh, yeah, whatever you want to tell me. Verse 41. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. Here we are back to this illustration or this analogy, this, this likened of debtors and creditors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, Well, I suppose he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. You know, two fellows, he forgives one, owes him a lot of money, the other a little. You know, who's going to be happier, the guy that owed a little or a guy who owed a lot? Well, I figured the guy that owed a lot, he'd be more thankful, he'd love him more. And he said, Thou hast rightly judged. Verse 44. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. All of these things that were done or not done were very important things in the East. This is what you did for a guest, especially an honored guest. You'd have the servant of your household first thing wash their feet. That was a custom. You'd greet them with a kiss. And if they were an honored guest, you'd anoint their head with oil. All of these things were done to show respect and love. And the Pharisee didn't do any of these to Jesus Christ. You know, it's kind of like, you can come in the back door, don't let anybody see you, you know. I'm not going to seat you at the head table. I'm going to let just, you know, feed you here back in the kitchen. Really, you're hard-pressed to come up in our society with as great an insult as this was. But this woman went far beyond. And I won't go into all the Orientalisms here of the ointment and the hair and all these things, but this was so far beyond showing her great love for him. Verse 47. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at me, which with him, began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said unto the woman, Thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. The woman loved much. The woman loved much, and her sins were forgiven. But Jesus Christ said, The one to whom 
you know, little is forgiven, the same loveth little. The Pharisee, he didn't love Jesus Christ like the woman did, did he? No. no. Because in his mind, he didn't have a lot to be forgiven. Was it true? No. 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 It's not really a matter of how much you have to be forgiven. It's a matter of how much you recognize you need to be forgiven. The woman recognized her sin. The Pharisee, he didn't consider himself needing forgiveness. He considered himself very righteous in his own eyes. You see, when we recognize all that we are forgiven, then we have no problem forgiving others. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But there's another side to this of being, not being able to forgive because of not recognizing what God has forgiven us for. And it's not from that standpoint of not recognizing that we have much to be forgiven, but people will have a hard time forgiving others when they don't recognize that they have been forgiven. It's not just that they need to be forgiven, but that they have been forgiven. If, if someone doesn't realize that they've been forgiven, they will have a hard time forgiving others. If they're still holding on to that guilt, if they're still holding on to that condemnation, if they don't recognize that God has forgiven them, well, then they're going to have an awfully hard time forgiving as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19, it says, To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing the trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Jesus Christ reconciled us back to God. He didn't impute our sins. He paid the price for our sins so that we could be brought back together. Brought back together with that forgiving Father. Just as that son was forgiven, the prodigal son in the parable in Luke 15 was forgiven by that Father, God has forgiven us. He has forgiven us for Christ's sake. He's welcomed us with open arms. He has totally forgiven everything that we've ever done wrong and everything that we ever will do wrong. It doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter how many times we do wrong, he'll always forgive. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, through Jesus Christ's blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his what? Grace. The riches of God's grace. Not that we deserved it, not that we earned it, not that we ever could, not that we ever will. We could not earn salvation. We could not pay the debt. My goodness, if we, if we tried to make up for all the wrong that we've done, <laughs> we wouldn't live long enough. You know, yesterday I was cleaning the house, and I couldn't clean it faster than the dogs could make it dirty again. You know, I vacuumed, and I turned around, put the vacuum away, and they had already gotten to some plant, and, and 
for some reason decided that the fun thing was to take the dirt out of the pot and spread it on the floor. <laughs> I couldn't keep up with them, you know? We can't keep up with ourselves when it comes to trying to clean up after our own messes. We never will. But we don't have to. Jesus Christ took care of it. He took care of it. God has forgiven us. Forgiveness is something that we just give in turn. We recognize what we've been given, and we in turn choose to forgive. We give that gift. But we have to be willing to let go, willing to let go of that hurt. We have to be willing to let go of that sense of fairness. There's a story I'd like to close with. It's a true story. It's from the book God's Smuggler. If you're familiar with the book, familiar with Brother Andrew, he was this wonderful man who, uh, still alive, as far as I know, was recently anyway, trust that he is. And he smuggled Bibles into the communist countries. And before all that happened, when he was a young man, he was always seeking adventure. Of course, once he'd started to live for God, he really found the adventure. But he was always seeking adventure, and that led him to join the army and to fight in a war. But when he was in that war, the atrocities of warfare just hurt him deeply. Hurt him deeply. And he was a mess. He was a mess. And there wasn't much he cared about, including his own life. But one thing he did care about was this little pet monkey he got. He bought this little pet monkey. And he really loved this little monkey. He took care of that monkey. And when somebody hurt that monkey, somebody who got mad at this monkey hurt it and, and nearly killed the thing, he nursed it back to health. And he took care of it until he finally one day let it go because he was going into a battle that he kind of knew he wouldn't come back from. And he goes into a battle and he gets terribly injured and he's in a hospital. He's in this hospital broken physically but more broken mentally and emotionally. And he is just a wreck. He is a wreck and he is hurt and he's hurt so deeply inside that he's just not willing to let go of that pain. And one of the nurses, a nun that was taking care of him, she told him about the monkeys. And she asked him, do you know how they catch those monkeys? Do you know how they, they catch those monkeys that they sell? Here's what they do. They take a coconut shell, and they dig a hole in it. They, they drill a hole into it, and they drop a pedal into it. And then they tie a string, a rope, onto that coconut shell and tie it to a tree. And a monkey, they come along, and, and they're curious, and they'll pick that up, and they'll shake it, and they'll hear something inside. And even though it's not really anything worth having, why? They think that there's some treasure there, and they reach their hand in, and they grab a hold of it. They grab a hold of that pedal, pebble. But that hole's just big enough that they can get their hand in it, but once they make a fist, they can't get their hand back out of it. And because they will not let go of that pebble, they are trapped. They are trapped because they won't let go of that supposed prize, that supposed treasure. And then she asked them, what is it that you won't let go of? 
What is it that you won't let go of? What's holding you back? What's the trap? What's keeping you from moving on? When we allow our hurt, when we allow something in our life to just fester and build walls around our heart, when we're not willing to let go of it, it's a trap. It's just a trap. But when we recognize that God has forgiven us and we're willing to forgive, then we can let go and enjoy that healing. God bless you. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.